Good morning. It's a pleasure as always to be here. Well, thank you, Rose. Lovely smiling face. Um, a pleasure as always to be here. Um, I do love it when, when you come to preach and um, God just basically sums your preach up for you in the worship time. Um, so I'm not really bringing much that's new this morning. This is quite nice. Um, I feel like I'm just consolidating a lot of what's been said this morning. Um, I want to I want to honour Joe and the band. I thought you led us. Sorry, Joe. I think you led us beautifully this morning. Um, you flow with the spirit. You're sensitive. Um, thank you for that. Um, and I want to honour Joe, um, Joe Burge. I want to honour your prophetic because um, I have I've not entirely changed my preach, but I have changed what I'm going to say and how I'm going to say it based on your word. Um, so I just want to honour you. I think that was really foundational and key for what we are for what this morning has been about. Um, all the words that followed it, I think, build on that picture. And I, I'm certainly going to use that as the foundation, I think, the basis for what I say. So I just want to honour that. Um, God's in the room this morning. God's got something to say to us. And um, I'm thankful that what I thought to bring fits in with that. Um, in Proverbs 13, 12, you don't need to turn to it. It's just one, one line. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Proverbs 13, 12, I'll say it again. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And um, Bill Johnson says that he is convinced that how we handle disappointment is one of the, if not, if not the, biggest key to our enjoyment of this life and our enjoyment of all that God has for us. Because we know that God's end is done and dusted. The, the presence there for you to unwrap, the goodness is there. The plan's laid down before eternity passed. Um, how we come to feature in that plan um, can, to an extent, be determined by how, how we respond to that which he's already given us. Um, and disappointment is one of the biggest killers of you fulfilling your dreams and you fulfilling God's dreams for you um, and that's not to say in any way that there is a blame thing it's just I think it, that is one of the, the enemy's biggest and most subtle and most devious and insidious lies and keys to bring us down um, I wanted to bring two ways that this thing affects us two ways that I've interpreted this verse um, and I'm going to sum up my way and then I'm going to explain them in relation to Joe's words um, two ways hope deferred makes the heart sick there are either you have hoped for something and that thing hasn't happened and disappointment sets in there's something you've wanted it's not come to pass disappointment sets in and then how do you move on from there you're not having this tree of life this desire this full experience or you have stopped hoping feels similar but slightly different you have stopped hoping you have said life is hopeless you've cut yourself off from God you've said it's not worth pursuing God and I'll go into what that means looks like um, later on so they're very similar but I do believe there are slightly slight differences there um, and I believe the way they outwork themselves affect us differently. Um, with regards to Joe's word, 
and I'm going to keep coming back to it because I just think it was brilliant. Um, you've got this backpack on your back, and Joe made it clear that God unzips. That's right, isn't it? God was unzipping it, yeah? Um, I think for those of you that where you, disappointment has set in, you've, um, it's like you've turned around, given it to God, and every time he pulls out a rock or he pulls something out, you're hoping for a diamond or a pearl, and all you see is a rock. And you've just stopped bothering to turn around so God can open it up. You were hoping for something precious because you, you, inside you, you know that you are made for greatness. And you know that you were made to have your desires fulfilled. You know that you were made to be satisfied. Because if you didn't know that, you wouldn't dream in the first place. Dreams wouldn't be so foundational to you if you weren't made to have them fulfilled. And every time, all you see is a rock. And so you've stopped bothering to let him open the bag. That's the people who are disappointed. The second ones you've stopped hoping is you've just taken the backpack off entirely. You've put it down and you said, I've got nothing to offer. Um, and you're not, even, you're not even giving God a chance to pull out a rock and then work through it. You're just saying, it's not worth it anymore. I'm stopping. I have nothing of worth, nothing to bring, nothing to contribute. Um, it ties in so nicely with the rest of the prophetic. Um, you know, some of you, you feel like you are just a chrysalis and you don't realize there's a butterfly inside there. Some of you don't realize, as Rose said, that you have significance and that God never planned to, to do this without you. And you think that if you don't bother, then it's all right. God will find someone else. And that's just a lie from the pit of hell. He doesn't have someone else in place to do the things that he planned for you to do. Because he made you for a purpose. Because he wants you to do the thing that only you can do and bring to this life only the thing that you can bring. And it's such a, a lie from the enemy that you don't have significance. And that ties in with what Pete said, that, that you cast a shadow. Even worse, perhaps, than you don't have anything to contribute is the more insidious lie that what you contribute is bad. Ah, just, you can feel it sticky all over me. The... the it's just vile and horrible what, what the enemy has done in perverting the beauty and the incredible value and the incredible preciousness of you as a person and what he can do through you and what he wants to do with you and the pleasure that you will get from that, the delight that you will have of being beautiful and he's convinced some of you that you are the opposite, that you are bad and you cast a shadow that you just bring you make situations worse and I can't tell you how wrong that is I can't tell you how much God hates that I can tell you how much God hates that actually he hates that enough that he would send his son to die to convince you of the truth about yourself. I'm getting passionate now and I'm off my notes, but I don't care. He sent his son to die to convince you that you are precious, that you are worth something. He is so 
totally committed to you and your value and his purpose for your life. That he stopped at nothing less than sending his own son to die. Not to punish your sin because you are evil and violent. You needed to be punished and he needed God's an angry God and he was going to smack you about, but Jesus stepped in the way. That lie is a pit from, is, that is a distortion of the truth from the pit of hell as well. No, he sent his son to die to bring you back into relationship with God. Because Satan convinced you that God was against you. Satan convinced you that God did not love you. Satan convinced you that you are a rock, that you are a chrysalis without a diamond, a butterfly in it, that you are a, something that illuminates, you know, sends out black light. And Jesus came to show you the very opposite, that God is not angry with you waiting for you to break out of your chrysalis yourself. He's not waiting for you to somehow break out of your rock and become a diamond. He's not waiting for you to somehow break out of your shell and become the pearl. You are, you know, you are not the little bit of dirt in the pearl and then God makes you into a pearl. You are the pearl and Jesus came to show you that's what God thinks about you. And if uh, it doesn't matter what I say for the rest of this morning, really, I'm going to try and expound on that and bring application for different people in the room. But that is it. God values you. God has a plan for you. You are precious and important and beautiful. And anything that says otherwise, please don't believe it. And as I get through the morning, I'm going to try and hopefully give you some keys on how to not believe it. Jesus block it, Rose. Yes, exactly. Come on, baby. Give me that Jesus block. Sorry, for those of you that don't know, I'm sorry. Rose, come up here and show me a Jesus block. Um, this, is, this, is, this, is how Rose deals, this is how Rose deals with the lies. She Jesus blocks it. So Rose deals with lies, and I like that. Thank you. Thanks, Rose. Sorry for those of you that wondered what I was talking about there. So let me get back to my notes, and I will skim through the first bit so we can get back to the, the good bit at the end. If, if you fall into the camp of disappointment, um, of feeling like you've hoped for too many things and they've not happened, it can cause us to question God. Um, and it, I, I don't mind what it is. I'll be personal. I've I've been divorced once. Jules is my second wife. Um, I, I didn't understand when I when my first wife left me. You may have had disappointments. You, you will all have had disappointments. I can, I can sadly, I can almost assume, assume that's true. Um. And when that happens, you can do your heart can go one or two ways. You can assume that God planned it in some way to test you. And Jesus blocked that one. That's from the pit of hell. You can stop hoping, and we'll come on to that later. But most dangerous of all is that it causes you to question who God is because you think hang on you're in control you're sovereign why did you 
Why did you do this? And if you get over the first disappointment, but then the second one comes, and then the third one, and the fourth one, we can reach the place where we, effectively, we hold God to ransom on the outcome of our desires. And we say, God, if you really love me, then you will make this happen. Or if you, if you, were, if you were really God, then unless this happens... If you really love me, if you were really true, then why did that happen? And it's like you're putting all your eggs in one basket. You're determining the outcome that you need from that situation for God to be God. And unless you get that particular outcome, you have determined that God is not good, can't be trusted, and then, and then kind of all is lost, really. There is no circumstance in your life, there is no desire that you have that is strong enough, solid enough, or foundational enough to be the turning point on which you decide, is God good or is God not good? There is nothing you can... with one exception there is nothing you can want that can be the defining point between God loves me and God doesn't love me with one exception you were made in the image of God we're told in Genesis you now have Christ living in you you are divine with a small d in your in your nature uh, that's not heretical. It says, in the, it says in, the, in Genesis, you were made in his image. That's what I mean when I say you're divine in your nature. Is it unreasonable to suggest that for a being who is in their very nature replications of something divine, that you should be satisfied by anything less than divinity? Is it reasonable to suggest that because of your very intrinsic nature, the only foundational desire that can fully satisfy you is something at least equal to you or above you? So if you're hoping for your car to make you happy, if you're hoping for your job to make you happy, if you're hoping for your marriage to make you happy, some of you are thinking, oh, where's he going with this? Well, I don't understand what you're saying. If you're, if you're putting all your hopes into anything that is less than divine or above, then I put it to you that that was never intended to be solid enough for you to place your hopes on because you are made in the image of God. Um, Now, thankfully, Jesus has come to be our hope. And Jesus has come that we place our hope on him. And Jesus has come to be the rock that we can stand on and say, if you see me, you've seen the Father. So if you, want to, if you want to have something that you're going to say, okay, God, do you love me? Are you good enough? Are you for me? Um, will you satisfy me? I want to be satisfied. I need to be satisfied. You've made me to be satisfied. You've made me to, 
to want to find meaning in this life. You've made me to have my desires fulfilled. The minute you try and find that in anything less than a divine being, it will fall apart and you will be disappointed and disappointment will come. And I'm not saying you're not wrong to hope for a good job or a nicer car or a nicer house. But I'm saying if that is the foundational thing upon which God passes or fails, then God will always fail. But if you can make the foundational thing upon which God passes or fails, upon which your inmost being is satisfied, Jesus, then I can guarantee you satisfaction. I can guarantee you not disappointment because you still might have an expectation of him that is not his expect not true to him but push into Jesus and you will never be unsatisfied again I, I have to be careful what I say here I I might want to be I might want to see everybody I pray for healed and I might pray for people and they might not be healed so that they, I still might, as I'm pushing into Jesus, I still might feel like I'm suffering a disappointment. But that is not because Jesus has let me down. And my hope even there is not on, Jesus, you said you are willing, the Bible, to pray. I'm going to pray for people. I put myself out there. I look like an idiot. What are you doing? I'm not going to trust you anymore. My hope is in God loves me. God is in me. God is for people. God loves everybody. God will heal. My hope is in foundational truths. And then from that, I pray for people. And if they're healed, great, God loves them. And if they're not healed, that's okay. God still loves them. And God still loves me. And he's not left me. And I'm going to go and keep on praying for more people. I hope I'm making myself kind of clear there. It's where you place your hope. What desire you look to find fulfillment from is the important thing. This is for those of you that are still desiring, are still hoping, but are suffering disappointments. Make sure you put your hope in the right thing. Anything less than Jesus will disappoint Jesus and everything else. And you can cope with everything else, whether it comes, you rejoice. If it doesn't come, you still rejoice. Because your heart is satisfied. Because you were made in the image of God to be satisfied by something, nothing less than perfection, divinity, incredibleness. This is for those of you that are that you've you're stopping letting Jesus look in your back. Beautiful, Mark, you're a legend. Thank you very much. You are a diamond geezer, literally. Um, so practically, um, let me move on to practical. How do we, I've kind of covered some of these already, how do we avoid the disappointment? Practically, your law is always on my mind, David says. So we choose daily to focus on who God is, not what our circumstances suggest he might be. He's our daddy, he's sovereign, he has all authority, he is happy, he's in a good mood, he's for us, he's all-powerful, he is currently enjoying his victory, he's laughing, he's dancing, He's pleased with us. He's spinning in delirious delight over us. We remind ourselves daily of the gospel of how much God loves us in Christ. 
I've gone into that already. We remind ourselves daily of the gospel, of the truth about who we are. New creations made in the image of Christ, divine in our very purpose and nature, houses of the Trinity, in continual, intimate relationship with the, Holy, with the Trinity through the Christ and the Holy Spirit, seated in heavenly places, destined to rule and reign with him. And I like this one, one day to judge the angels. I don't even know what that means. But you've got to be a fairly cool person to judge angels. So I'm just saying you're, you know, you're good. Um, a really key thing for this one let God answer your prayers don't pray for something he's already given you because then you rob yourself of the delight and this is a, this is a Bill Johnson I'll give this one straight to him don't rob yourself of the delight the tree of life from having a desire fulfilled don't pray God I hope you'll always be with me because he's already said he'll always be, always be with you so you, you rob yourself of the joy of him answering that prayer does that make sense? Pray for things that he's not already given you and then you give him the chance to give them to you and then you get the delight of going, oh my goodness, you actually love me. You actually think about me, you care about me and my personal needs and that becomes the tree of life to you. That becomes your delight. So just a real practical thing there. Um, Two, those of us whom we've stopped hoping altogether... So you put the backpack down, you don't even bother looking for the rocks anymore because you just assume that everything's a rock. There were never any diamonds and whatever. You've stopped hoping. We've said, this is, this, is, this is what I do and this is kind of one of my ones. It's safer not to hope than to hope and risk it being lost. It's better to not want than to risk wanting and not having That's a biggie for me. I don't know if that's a biggie for you. We learn to protect our hearts. By the way, we were never meant to protect our hearts. We were meant to guard our hearts. That's very different to protecting our hearts. Guard your heart when you stand at the rubbish in. Protecting your heart makes you feel like you're alone. And you were never meant to be alone, and you never have been alone, and you are not alone. And it's a lie from the enemy that suggests, suggests you're alone. That's what Satan did in the garden. Said, does God really love you? You can't trust Him. You're on your own, buddy. Go and work it out for yourself. Self righteousness. We close ourselves off to God's goodness. If He's not for us, if He can't be trusted, then we don't let Him anywhere near us. We cease to trust Him. We become little islands of self protecting, self saving self-serving Christians, too afraid to reach out beyond ourselves. If we can't trust God, we certainly can't trust others. So we become increasingly isolated. We push away those we love because we can't trust them. No one's trustworthy. Don't let anyone in. We control all the relationships around us so that we can't be hurt. I'll let you in this far, but no further. You get to know the me that I want you to know, but you never get to know the real me. I am my own little PR genius. And each of you see the side of me that I want you to see to make me look good for you or you or you or in this circumstance. But none of you ever get to know the real me because deep inside I don't trust. Deep inside I just believe I have no value and no worth and 
I'm afraid that you, if you see me, you will reject me. So I don't show you me. Because intrinsically, I don't value myself. Because intrinsically, I don't believe God is for me. We use people for our benefit and we never really give ourselves to others. Um, in a few weeks' time, Jules is talking to us about the orphan spirit, the orphan heart, um, and she will cover this ground um, in more detail because a lot of this is tied up in the orphan, uh, the orphan heart. That may be a new phrase to some of you. Um, I believe there's... God is our Father, and one of the ways that Satan has bound us as humanity is by breaking the daddy-son relationship, the daddy-daughter relationship, and he's convinced us that we're alone in the world, that we're orphans. Um, and that is so all-pervasive and all-prevailing, and, and we've accepted it in our culture that we don't even notice it anymore. We assume it's just normal. Um, and it's, it's not, and I know George is going to go into that. How can we avoid this? There's a quote that some of you guys came back with from, um, some of you went to a conference last weekend, and I've heard secondhand that someone there said this. There we go. Um, this is a guy who has, is in a town of 2,000 people, and he has 1,000... I don't remember the numbers. 1,999, is that less, one less than 2,000? Yeah. He has one less person, 2,000 people in his town, only one of whom isn't saved. There's a hairdresser, apparently, in a, in a salon that's not saved. And people are asking this fella, how do you do that? How is that possible? It's what he says. I've learned to navigate disappointment without downsizing my dreams. Oh, my word. Bill Johnson was right. There is something in this. There are two elements to this. One, you fill your mind with the truth of all that Christ has already done for you. I read something beautiful beautiful this morning. Um, It said, to try and um, defame, to try and make something bad, I forgot on the word there, to try and make hyper-grace look bad by calling, you know, to try and make grace look bad by calling it hyper or extra is to try and make water look bad by calling it wet or light look bad by, making it, by calling it illuminating. Grace in its very nature is extreme and hyper. God in his very nature has done everything for you incredibly more than you could ask or imagine for you god has finished the works the cross did it all he's 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 done it he loves you with an unfailing unending never changing always valuing you as an individual not you as some corporate entity love i said this at the beginning you understand all that christ has done for you and you fill yourself with that truth daily you remind yourself daily of that truth I am of value, I'm esteemed, I'm a son, of a son or daughter of the king, I'm of royal blood, I'm a royal priesthood, I'm a chosen people 
set apart for God. He has plans for my life that only I can fulfill through him, with him. He has a destiny for me. He has dreams for me. Beyond my wildest imaginations, I am valued. I am precious. I am honoured. I am important. I am significant. And two, and this is where you have to make sure that you don't step into your own religious little thing, we act in such a way that allows us to live in the good of this. So one, you remind yourself of the truth. Two, how you respond to that truth, and this is how I started off this, what I'm saying, how you respond to that truth can affect your enjoyment of that truth. We choose to believe in God as a good father, not a rule-keeping boss. It's a choice. Because the enemy, circumstances, life will come and try and convince you otherwise. So you make a choice. Nope, God is for me. He's a good father. Um, And you may need to just ask him, God, show me this. Right now I'm really struggling to believe this. Will you show me? In all this cloud that's in my life right now, I can't see the goodness. I look in my backpack and all I see is an ugly black rock. Can you show me your goodness in this. I wrote this down this morning after Joe's word. Everything is a potential diamond with God. Every circumstance in your life is a potential diamond. There is not one thing in your life that has happened that he cannot turn into a diamond. I'm not saying he planned the bad things, but I'm saying he is a God of transformation. I'm saying he's a God of the remarkable and miraculous recovery. I'm saying that he works all things together for the good of those who are called according to his purposes. Not that he caused all things, but that in everything he can bring a diamond out of it. So sometimes you need to ask him, what does that look like? God, where is this diamond? Not impatiently, where is it? I'm not going to believe you unless you show it to me. But show me where it, show me, God, what this is, where this is going towards. Come and hug me and convince me that, it's, that it is all going to be okay. Because it is all going to be okay. But sometimes I just need reminding So when I say choose, I'm not saying it's down to you. But you play your part in that. You allow God to help you see that. We choose to trust God's goodness in spite of circumstances. We choose to believe and you wake up in the morning. God is in a good mood every day. God's happy this morning. Do you know that? Do you say that to yourself every morning? God, I wake up this morning, you're happy. (laughs) You're happy and that's okay. We feed ourselves on a daily diet of his goodness. Whatever that looks like for you. Whether that means going and looking at flowers, because beauty makes a difference for you. Beauty makes a difference for me. Mountains, whether you listen to CDs in the car, whether you pray in tongues, so that your spirit is communing with God's spirit on a daily basis, whether you um, listen to your iPod at your work while you have it on in the background, while you have worship music playing, in your house, 
whether you surround yourself with people who you know are good for you. You surround yourself with people who will speak truth into your life, who will remind you when you're having a bad day, that's not who you are. You're beautiful. You're lovely. I know it sucks right now, but that's not the real you. That's certainly not the real God. Let them be with you in it, not in some glib, hyper-Christian, happy-clappy-cheesy way, but in a genuine, yes, happens. But you're beautiful. God loves you. God is good. We choose to believe God is for us and not against us. That's a hard one sometimes. Make a choice. You love me, you're for me. We believe that we are unpunishable. So that removes the fear of retribution from an angry God. Do you honestly believe, and I'll go on for two more minutes, do you honestly believe that you are unpunishable? That the punishment for sin was poured out on the cross? Or do you still fear that God's going to give you a clip around the ear, a swift backhander because of what you did yesterday? Because if you do believe that, then you're going to live in fear of God, an unhealthy fear of God. If you believe you're unpunishable, that it was God took it all, that Jesus took it all, then that completely frees you to be... um, to, to be delighted in, in every circumstance. It completely frees you to play the drums whenever you feel like it. Because you, you just know that your daddy loves you. And that's okay. It, it frees you to, to enjoy and to be enjoyed. We give up the right to understand. That's a biggie. That's a biggie. God never promises you that you'll understand everything. Peace that passes understanding. I'll just let that one linger. Peace that passes understanding. Not peace that comes through understanding. Peace that doesn't need understanding. Peace that comes in spite of not understanding. That's what's promised to you. Give up the right to understand and let the peace come. Demand understanding you may miss out on the peace. Never let why become a foundational question in your life. Similar, similar point. Why God? Why God? Why God? That's the wrong question. How much do you love me, God? Show me your love in that circumstance. I know people that have been through some despicable circumstances and God has showed them himself standing right next to them in that circumstance. They didn't ask why did it happen. They asked where were you in that God? And God said I was right there with you and I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. But I was with you and I brought you out of it and I will redeem you and I will turn that sick evil thing into the most glorious thing and you just wait and see what happens through that in your life. Don't ask why. Ask where. Where were you God in that? That's a question he can answer. We give up our right to control. We relinquish this this to God because we believe he loves us. Don't control your future. We accept the mystery of the unknown. I've gone into this already. We surround ourselves with people who love and accept us and who are for us. 
We look for the good in people. That's quite a big one. Look for the gold in other people, not what you can get from them or how they're different to you or how they're not doing so well, but look for the good in them. Because then you start, if you're looking for the bad in them, then you're probably going to, you know, it's the plank in your own eye, isn't it, thing? If you're looking for the bad in them, then you're, you're going to struggle to find the, the good in you. If you're always looking for the good in other people, it's because you know you're intrinsically good. And so are you. So where's the good in you? And when you're struggling to choose and you can't do those things, when it feels like that's too hard, when that choice is too difficult, talk to your daddy. Tell him about your pain. Go for a David in the Psalms. Rant at God. Shout at him. Swear at him. Let, he can take it. Honestly, he can. I'm not saying you do it in a public meeting because that will offend your brothers. But do it. just let God have your emotion. Let God have the real you. Take it to him. He can take it. And then let him cuddle you. Yeah? Spend time listening to what he has to say to you after that. I love what Joe did this morning. There was a word and then Joe said, now is the t- I think now is the time for listening. It's like, yes, that's it. God speaks and then we, what are you saying, God, to me personally? Just speak into my heart. Listen to worship music. Put notes around your house, write on your mirror. Put a post-it note above your, on your fridge. Stick it on the inside of your cupboard with a tea, stick it on your tea caddy. Jesus loves me. You're significant. You're beautiful. Read your Bible. Declare it over yourself. I'm good. Speak truth over yourself. Don't speak bad things over yourself. The, the tongue's a small thing, but it steers the whole ship. Speak over yourself truth, good things. Declare righteousness over you. I've covered lots of points there. Um, we've got just over 10 minutes. No, sorry, just under 10 minutes, but that's enough time. If anything I've said resonates with your heart, then we have the next eight minutes in which, and that's plenty of time. Imagine sitting in silence for eight minutes. That's a long time. Plenty of time for God to minister to you. So, um, Mark, would you be willing to come and play some soothing keys in the background. Andy, good grief, wrong name. Sorry, you look like a Mark, which is clearly untrue. You're clearly an Andrew. Um, would you mind just playing some, some kind of nice, soft, gentle pads in the background? Um, if you feel like... I'm so sorry for calling you Mark. That's really rude. I'm so sorry. Um, if you feel like... yeah, It's a good name for your family, isn't it? It's a good family name for you guys. Um, if you feel like God's spoken to you and you want just to hang out with Jesus, just let God speak to you. Speak your pain to him. Speak your, your thoughts, your hearts, whatever. Just commune with him. If you like specific prayer because you feel like you've let disappointment come in and you've, that's caused you to question God or because you've stopped hoping, um, then, and if you want someone to pray with you and just stand with you in that and be with you, then I'm going to ask you just to come to the front um, a ministry team, you know who you are. Um, if you want to be ministered to and you're on the team, fine. You come down as well. If you're not ministry team, sorry, if you're ministry team but you're not going to respond, can you just keep your eyes open and see if there are people at the front that need just to be loved and cared for? Um, if you're going to receive prayer, you don't have to tell us what's going on if you don't want to. 
we can just pray the love of God onto you. But if you want to share, that's okay. I'll stop there and I'll let God do his bit. All right? Thank you.